And I'm joined by a very special guest across the table from me today, Barbara Brooks. Welcome onto the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me today. Now, you are speaking at the Otago Museum tomorrow about the woman's history within the Otago Museum. That's from 2pm until 3.30pm. You're speaking in conversation with Rachel Wesley, who's the Māori curator, and also Moira White, who is the research and interpretation coordinator. What are these two women adding to the discussion that you couldn't add if you were speaking alone? They both have expertise on the objects that uh, we've chosen for this session. I'm very interested in the way objects reflect women's history. And my book, we worked hard to get images that uh, told stories that I didn't have time to tell in the text. And so I've chosen 10 objects to talk to tomorrow. But clearly I'm interested in what they represent in terms of women's work and preoccupations. But the curators actually know about the provenance and right. the work in involved in creating those objects. And what is it about in the physicality of an object um, opposed to the written word that really crystallises that authentic moment in history for you? Well, I think one of the objects we have is a... Uh, woven knitting needle holder um, which belonged to Annie Parata and knitting needles are, you know, were ubiquitous at a certain point and women spent their time knitting a good deal but somebody's lovingly made a container for those needles and they, hang, they hung on the back of a door in her house uh, always available, always observed by her grandchildren uh, and I think they signify something about, about women's work so both the actual objects within the holder but the holder itself And what other objects might we see tomorrow? Uh, well we've got a range of things uh, from jewellery which I think tells something about women in the past to uh, a Women's Christian Temperance Union banner and of course the WCTU was very important here in Dunedin and in the campaign for the vote. We've got some a uh, couple of objects from the Pacific, um, an apron, aprons again were something ubiquitous, um, uh, a tea set and I think you know the museum's got a very fine collection of uh, ceramic objects and but for me, the tea set represents things about women's hospitality and uh, shared conversation. So I think those objects tell important stories. And were there any objects that surprised you when you were looking through the museum collection? Um, well, there are... I, I guess there are things that we no longer use which once were ubiquitous mm. hat pins for example yeah true <laughs> and you know a hat pin could be seen as a weapon wow you know some of them were quite long and yeah. very sharp so imagine if you walked around with one of those in your hat <laughs> so were those, those used to fix someone's hat onto yeah, their head that's right to hold it because <laughs> i'm not even familiar with that. yeah that's right so at, at one point everybody had hat pins <laughs> Um, and we've forgotten that and you know a great deal of care and attention went into creating hat pins and people like to have wow. elegant hat pins. 
Oh. Mm. And are any of those pieces that you mentioned before pieces that the public have never seen before at the museum? I think they've probably all been on display, uh, but the curators would be able to answer that okay. better than I can. I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, and how might we view New Zealand's history differently if we view it through that female lens? That's a big question. Well, I, I think we see the importance of everyday life in an apron that uh, is worn generally around the house when food preparation is being done and that was a role that women uh, performed throughout most of the 19th and 20th century and probably in many households still do today mm-hmm, yeah. um, and so that's women's work and it has often not been acknowledged as work so that raises questions about the borderline between care and work which I think are really interesting um, and contested at the moment, as we know, with care workers. Um, yeah, I, I th- one of the other things I was keen to do tomorrow was also think about how women have created links across the Pacific. Um, one of the items I'm going to b- discuss comes from a missionary woman in China, somebody who grew up here in Dunedin and trained as a teacher, Uh, and another woman went to the Pacific. So I think we see the opportunities that were available to women at particular times in some of the pieces we're going to be discussing. You know, your more general question about how does it shift our angle of vision, which I'm sure I I wrote somewhere, (laughs) (laughs) so you've done your research, is... um, about the reproductive labour of women, that that caring for households, raising children, is what was a main preoccupation of women and central to building the nation. Mm. How does this perspective alter further when we consider a Māori woman's lens as well? Well, it's really important because in the 19th century there was a great deal of concern that Māori were dying out and introduced diseases had devastating impact on Māori communities. So in order for Māori to survive, women had to tend to their children and hope that they would have a better future. So by the early 20th century, uh, their children are surviving better and they're having much bigger families Mm. uh, during most of the 20th century than Pākehā women. So they're doing all that domestic labour on a much bigger scale, actually. Wow. Um, I wanted to know, are there any pieces from the Otago Museum um, that are related to New Zealand women's history that have been exchanged to other museums over the world? And do we have any of those um, different cultures, women's history, exchanged back to the Otago Museum? Again, that's a question that the curators could answer better. But with regard to the WCTU banner, for example, mm. that, that came from Nelson. Okay. So that um, uh, wasn't accessioned in Dunedin, but who knows why it ended up in Nelson. And the hat pin I'm going to discuss actually comes from China. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the tapa, of course, from the Pacific. So... Uh, I don't. I don't know about exchanges in the museum world. Do the materials that make up those objects interest you as well? 
Yes, they do, because some of them are lost skills. You know, the 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 printing, the tapa cloth is um, keeping those traditions alive is really important. Mm. Um, and one of the objects is a a re, reproduced cloak that the Māori Women's Welfare League made when one was discovered, a, an earlier one, and they made oh. a replica of it. So again, you see women's groups keeping alive traditional skills mm. um, by creating those. O- in that case, replicating an object, but in other instance, and one I'm going to talk about tomorrow of a of a Pacific neck adornment, using new materials to keep alive a tradition. Mm, wow, are there any perspectives that? aren't included in this discussion that you would acknowledge but not include in this discussion in particular? Well, the Otago Museum collection is, um, you know, these collections evolve through donations and many people who donate are reasonably well off. Mm. You know, if we think of a tea set, um, for example, um, it's a product of a middle-class household. So I'm not really going to be addressing objects that talk, speak to working-class women's lives okay. over the period. Um, I'm sure if this took place at Toitu, um, you know, they would have a butter churn or, you know, because museums have had different collecting practices mm. too, and Toitu are more a local history museum. Um and recently I spoke at Te Papa and they've accessioned quite recently um, contraceptives oh, wow. and pill packets. But, you know, these things only come into collections when they become, um, I guess, have a, have a very uh, deliberate collecting policy. Another thing I discussed at Te Papa was mm. a, a badge from the women's movement saying you can't cuddle children with nuclear arms. And... You know, those badges are very much a uh, 70s... um, They proliferate in the 70s around a range of uh, activist Mm. concerns. So there's a big difference between collecting a a ceramic because of its beauty and collecting an object, an everyday sort of ephemeral object because it tells a a history. And, uh, you know, there are things that museums will probably never have and I asked it to Papa if they actually had a sanitary belt for example oh my gosh (laughs) and I don't think they do oh wow and probably no one would ever think of donating such an object to a museum oh that's interesting what other sorts of objects would museums not tend to collect but you believe there should be something contributed well, there, I mean, there are specialist museums. I know there is a m- museum of menstruation in the States, and so probably <laughs> they've got a sanitary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sanitary belt. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, I think there are pro- probably lots of artefacts to do with women's working lives that haven't necessarily been collected. Um you know, we could think of the typewriter or the stenographer, you know, jobs that women did in the early 20th, mid-20th century. Um, maybe museums of technology are more likely to collect those particular things. 
Um, yeah, and those kind of intimate uh, objects. I, you know, commercially produced objects like um, tampons or sanitary towels are more likely to get those collected than, uh, say, a sanitary belt. Mm. Mm. You spoke of activism just before, and I did watch you speak at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery um, in association with Not Neutral, which was the Wellington Media Collective's archive that has just been taken down from the DPAG. Um, but there was quite a lively discussion after that talk was over. Will there be room for discussion tomorrow of the same kind of ilk? Yes, I, I hope so. Mm -hmm. yeah, you hope so? Um, yeah. <laughs> I always enjoy people's... Um, and, and of course there will be people in the audience who know uh, more about some of these particular items than I do. So it's always great to get a many-sided discussion mm. going. Are those kind of public spaces the right places to speak about women's rights and women's issues, do you think? Yeah, very much so. Um, and I think we see in the museum many objects that relate to women's creativity but maybe have not necessarily been seen that way. Mm. Um, the tapper cloth, for example, might be used as a sort of example of Pacific art, but the actual maker might be unknown yeah. and it might be a woman, but that might not be signalled in any of the... I mean, I really don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, I haven't looked closely enough through the museum to see how the labels read these days, but there has been a history of, in the past, of not necessarily acknowledging women's contribution in those fields. And, and also, you know, distinctions drawn between fine art and everyday, you mm. know, knitting or embroidering or, you know, has seen... Yeah. And with... I mean, in those discussions, what is there a question that you can remember that really made you think or really challenged you at the time? In the discussions that I've yeah. had? Um, well, I, in one talk I gave, I was asked to think more about church women, and I do think that I have probably given that less attention than I perhaps should have, although, mm. of course, the... Women's Christian Temperance Union was a Christian organisation and drew on women from church membership. But that continuing role of women in the church and the fellowship that they derived from church organisations, I think, was important. So, I mean, subsequently to that, I did do a little bit of work around caring and thinking about the way... Um, regular attendance at church for example validated the caring that women did in their communities in a way that we probably don't have now mm. with the decline in church attendance mm. is there any any part or era of women's history that isn't inherently political i don't think so you don't think so no it's something that I think about quite often, but you know, it's it's difficult because when these these talks, these types of talks are um, promoted around the Dunedin area or around New Zealand, it's it can be hard to to kind of just um, appreciate um, what what we have and be positive about the future and and 
all this politicism surrounding women in New Zealand right now. And it's lovely to speak to you as a young woman as well, because, you know, I'm very optimistic about my future, but also to come along to your talks and to have been along to your women's rights talk um, about a month ago. You know, it's 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 very humbling to see what's come before me, and it's it can be quite daunting to think what I still have to overcome um, in the future. Well, I think you know you've got lots of companions on the journey, so that's mm. always a good thing. Um, and I was very heartened. I, I've just been in Canada, and I came back to the ODT editorial on period poverty, mm. and I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, given that that's a subject that would not have been mentioned probably 10 years ago yeah. um, and you know I did some historical work that's why you know that's why I'm interested in the, yeah. in, in the sanitary belt <laughs> around the experience of menstruation with a colleague Margaret Tennant at Massey and um, you know it was just fascinating even learning about buying menstrual products you know they used to be wrapped in brown paper and you had to you know be embarrassing oh. to go in a chemist and buy them and then supermarkets developed and they were sort of hidden down the back and then they gradually got moved up to <laughs> oh <my laughs> you know, so, you know and you know what does that say about women's bodies mm. Oh, it's very interesting. So there has been change that you should feel optimistic yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, yeah. Is there anything else that you're working on at the moment that the public might be able to engage with or interact with in the near future? Um, well, I'm working on money at the moment. <laughs> um, uh, for a, a talk I have to give in September, because when I have spoken to women's groups, I've heard the most extraordinary stories about money. Um, and particularly when there was a family benefit, it was paid directly to the mother. Mm. So, for you know, and in, say in the 1950s in New Zealand, very few married women worked outside the home. So when they had children, they received the family benefit and it went into their bank account and they regarded that as their, their money. Mm. Um, and it gave them a feeling of independence which was really important. I mean, one woman told me that her mother saved the family benefit in order to get driving lessons secretly because her husband disapproved of her driving. Oh. Mm. So um, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm interested, you know, we think of money as kind of neutral, but money has these gendered meanings, and I'm, I'm thinking about that historically at the moment. Fantastic. Where is that talk coming up in September? Um, it's... Um, at the Women's Studies Conference in Wellington. Okay, fantastic. Mm. All right, well, if anyone is listening and they might still be sitting on the fence about coming along to the talk tomorrow, what would you say just to push them over the edge to get them to come along and participate? Well, I hope that it will be interesting and it will make people look more closely at objects in the museum. And we have a very fine collection in the Otago Museum, and I think looking closely and thinking about the gender of the maker or the gendered uses of objects uh, might cast new light on the way you visit museums in the future. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me today, Barbara. That was Barbara Brooks. Woman's History in the Otago Museum is the discussion that is being held tomorrow on Sunday from 2pm until 3.30pm in the Hutton Theatre. Totally free to go along.